Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Let me start with a question. I want to ask you a question to get you thinking. What keeps you hopeful these days? What are some of the things that bring you hope? There are several things that can move you and motivate you. Maybe you're motivated by desiring a better future for your family. That's a popular one. I have that in my heart. It's a motivation for me. Maybe you envision growth. You want, you want to see growth and development in a specific area of your life. So that motivates you. Or maybe it's overcome, overcoming a past hang-up, overcoming a family curse. You came from a family background that probably wasn't the best, and you want to overcome that. You want peace in your home. You want your finances to do well. You want to come out of poverty, or you want to... Uh, think better about life and have some, some sort of freedom that your family didn't. Or maybe you just want to grow wealthier. You want to grow more educated. You want to be more knowledgeable. And that's what keeps you moving. Whatever it is, whether what moves you is out of love, out of goodness, out of ambition, or even out of fear, or some other motivation, everything we do, Everything you do, you do because there's an element of hope. You hope for something. You hope to produce. You hope to achieve. You hope to heal. You hope to avoid certain things, to avoid a kind of disaster. You hope to find maybe a special someone, maybe a good friend. You hope. And because you hope, you pursue you hope, therefore, you pursue. And for every pursuit we have, there's an element of hope. So let me ask you again, what keeps you hopeful these days? What is the source of hope in your life? See, the source of your hope is just as important as the pursuit itself. This is important because it's important not only for us to learn, but it's important for us to teach our children as well. We live in an age of narcissism and comparison. There's a lot of narcissism and comparison in our generation, and they've always existed. Comparison and narcissism has always been something we've, we have to deal, we've had to deal with in societies and in human existence, but I believe in our generation specifically, it has been exacerbated by technology. And so you have a large portion of an entire generation, especially a new, a younger generation, desiring to have followers. I don't know if you've ever had that to this extent, but we have a large portion of a generation desiring to have followers simply for the sake of fame. In other words, This segment of our newest generation doesn't want followers because they have a conviction that they want others to follow. It's not because they've encountered a cause that they want other people to follow. It's not because they have found a calling and they want to help people toward it. A lot of them simply want followers for themselves. And that's narcissism. 
And today is as ubiquitous as milk and eggs in our fridge. Comparison is also at an all-time high. So many people want what other people have, not because they need the same things, but because they want to embody that person's life. I want their style. That's the thought process. I want their style because if I have their style, I'll have their life. I want what they have. I want their experiences because if I have their experiences, I'll have their life. I'm not talking about being inspired by someone or having the same need as somebody else. We share those things, right? Or liking the same things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with sharing ideas, sharing styles, sharing culture, finding inspiration on somebody else for your life. I'm talking about the kind of comparison that stems from the lack of self. You don't know who you are. Therefore, you compare. You don't know what you want. You don't know where you are going until you see someone else living a life that seems appealing to you. And you see it on display with all the right colors and all the right filters. And so you desire it for yourself. Now, if you've been there, don't feel bad about it. Because this is something that every single one of us at some point have dealt with. We have wrestled with this type of comparison. We have struggled with this kind of comparison. Because this kind of comparison is as old as man. And it, has original, is as, it is as original as sin itself. In fact, if you think about it, what was, was it, was this not part of the serpent's question to Eve? Hey, Eve, don't you feel like it's time for you to be somebody else? Don't you want what God has? Don't you want to be just like him? That was the bait. See, my intention today is to help you explore Test, probe, poke into the foundations of your hope. What, what stands beneath your hope. Because hope is an essential part of life. And hope is what keeps you moving. Hopelessness means despair. Hopelessness means you get stagnant. Hopelessness means you have no motivation and no power to move. When hope dies, it dies not because it's weak. Hope dies because it had the wrong source. See, when hope crumbles, when we feel hope crumbling, it crumbles because it was built on the wrong foundation. And some of you might have experienced that. It could be that the hope that you have today, whatever it is that you're thinking about, it could be that your hope that you have today is in the wrong foundation. It could be that your hope is standing on sources, foundations, and conditions that cannot sustain it. I don't know if you've experienced that, but maybe you've been in a situation where you put your hope on a person and you believed and you invested and you, you, you had your expectations on that hope and then the, that person lets you down. And your hope goes down with it. And you put your hope in an investment, a financial investment. And you were 
expecting that return with your whole heart. And then when the return didn't come, man, it was tough. And your hope went down with it. Or maybe you put your hope in an event, an interview, a job interview, or, or a meeting, or a show. And it didn't go the way you were hoping. And man, your hope went down with it. How about this one? You put your hope on someone else's version of self. And then you went and tried to live that out. Someone else's version of who you should be. Someone else's version of what you thought you wanted. And it didn't pan out. And so your hope went down with it. Or maybe you put your hope several times on five numbers and one Powerball. And man, that jackpot never comes your way. See, everyone has tasted hopelessness. Everyone has faced hopelessness, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, those guys know hopelessness. America's team, am I right? I was talking to a Texan this week. He's from Dallas. And he said, listen, nobody likes the Cowboys. I get it. And we know there's no hope for the Cowboys. <laughs> See, when you face hopelessness, it's easy for you to think like it's the end. Because hope is what drives you. Hope is what motivates you. So you get to that point and nothing says it's the end like hopelessness. I don't know if you face that. You get to a point where you just see a wall. I, um, when, we, when we planted the church, I met a man soon after we planted the church. Um, he had ALS. And when I met him, he was already in the advanced stages of ALS. His name is Tommy. And he came to church a few times. And, but early in, in when I met him, I came to see him at his house. And we had a conversation through his computer. At this point, all he could move was his thumb, his eyes, and he had a little bit of his voice left. But everything else was paralyzed. And, uh, and he had a computer device where he could type uh, letter for, per letter with his eyes. And so he was very apt at it. So he could write a sentence in a short period of time. And so we had a few conversations back and forth and when I came to visit. But I soon noticed that the best way to communicate with him was via email. And so we started exchanging emails. And at one point uh, in this advanced stage, he was a very creative person, and, and he, uh, he wrote a poem, and, and he sent me an email, and he said this, Hi, J.D., I do a little bit of creative, creative writing sometimes. Here's something I wrote recently about living with ALS. Now listen to this poem he, he, he wrote. The poem is titled, Of All the Things. Of all the things that I miss from my life with an able body, what I miss the most is not what, what, what you would think. It's not my legs to walk in the front on, walk out the front door anytime I want, to feel the sun and, and breathe the air, to feel my feet in the grass, my toes in the sand, or even to feel water running around my ankles. No. Of all the things I miss now, living in a body with no movement, it's not my arms to take care of myself, to help out my family and friends. It's not my hands to work and to have freedom to create. It's not my voice to join in the conversation and express myself. Of all the things that I miss the most, it's not a hand to hold or a cheek to kiss. Of all the things that I miss the most, it is tomorrow will be a better day. 
It's hope. It's the one thing. I don't know if you've experienced hopelessness in any area of your life, like my friend Tommy. I don't know if you've faced hopelessness, or maybe you're facing it right now. I want to encourage you today, like I encouraged Tommy. This is not the end. There is hope for you. Because the scriptures, they teach us of a hope that is resilient. The the scriptures teach us of a hope that lasts, a hope that doesn't break under pressure or difficulty, a hope that can face life's challenges and survive and last, a hope that doesn't fade. And I want to tell you about this kind of hope today. Let's go to our theme scripture for this series, Romans 5, chapter 1 through 5. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We talked about that. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. We talked about that. We in, and endurance produces character. We talked about that. And character produces hope. We're going to talk about that today. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, there's a kind of hope that is not born out of somebody else's experience. There's a kind of hope that you don't acquire as you're scrolling through TikTok and say, oh, I want to go there. There's a kind of hope that comes not from something that exists on the outside that you desire. It doesn't come from comparison, from selfishness, from fear. I'm talking about the hope that's birthed out of character. Now, i got to explain and explore this scripture with you together because out of everything that is interconnected in this passage, if you think about it, from character to hope seems to be a big leap. How do the two connect? You understand, if you understand character, how does, how does it produce hope? At first glance, it doesn't seem like they belong together. Now, you can see the connection between suffering and endurance, right? We, we've talked about this, but if... if If we suffer, because sometimes we suffer, we can understand whether we know why you're suffering or we don't know why we're suffering. We know that the result of suffering will be endurance if we stand through it. In fact, can you you have endurance without suffering, a kind of suffering? I don't think so. I mean, I welcome any challenge. You're welcome to to explore this further. And and if you you have a different thought, I'd I'd love to hear it. But I've, I've thought about this in every different way and I think that from from the point you were in your mommy's belly from pregnancy to birth to learning how to walk to her learning how to talk to standing everything else you have learned that that it had it had it, had, it took some in, 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 in suffering for you to endure to develop resilience to develop staying power you had to have some kind of resistance There has to be a level of pressure, a level of pain, a level of suffering for you to endure. The word endurance implies pain, doesn't it? I mean, you're here today, so if I were to tell you, hey, I love you, which I do. 
How would you feel? Feel good, right? Awesome. Now, what if I told you, I, 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 I think it's great that you're here. I endure you. What, what was your thought if I told you, hey, I endure you? Don't say that to your wives. Don't say that to your husbands. Because it implies, you probably would think, whoa, what, what am I doing? If you're self-conscious, you think, what am I doing that's causing him to say that he endures me? And if you're a little bit more uh, adversarial, you'll be like, who's this guy? What, what are you talking about? I endure you. Because endurance means a price. So we get that. The same is the connection between endurance and character. You can see the connection. Because endurance requires virtue. When you're enduring through something, you, you have to cling to the convictions that you have, the values that you have. You have to assess, constantly assess if your values are right. And, and when you follow Christ, endurance requires prayer, requires hearing from God, requires facing the Lord's, uh, uh, seeking the Lord's face for direction. It requires obedience and staying true to what He has said. And I can tell you, I cannot tell you how many times of joy and fun we've had in the process of planting this church with our team. But we've had some times of endurance too. We've had many seasons of endurance. And that's the cadence of most, most things that are worthwhile, right? Have you noticed that? Everything that is worthwhile, you have moments of enjoyment and moments of endurance. And that's the cadence. Moments of enjoyment, moments of endurance. And typically, they, they, are, they are not experienced at the same time. They belong together. They feed one another. But they are not experienced at the same time. And if you go to the gym, you know that. You enjoy going to the gym. You endure going to the gym. Never at the same time. I mean, when you're doing those reps and, it, and it's painful, you can't say, I'm enjoying this. But the moment you stop and you feel the rush, you go like, I'm enjoying this. Right? Endurance and enjoyment belong together, and they complement each other. The two are experienced, not at the same time, but they, they, one comes out of the other. And planting a church, like any other great thing that you do for God, requires endurance. If you're going to do something uh, formidable, if you're going to do something great for God, to bless the world, to change people's lives, it will require a vision from God. It will require believing in something nobody else believes. Some of you have experienced that. Seeing what no one else sees. Marching toward God with faith and obedience. Toward His vision with faith and obedience. Toward His will with faith and obedience. And remaining when you want to quit. Staying when everything in you says, go. And staying true to what God calls or what He's calling out of your life, no matter what. Now, what did I just describe? Did I just describe endurance or character? Both, right? Uh, right there, it's staying power, virtue. It, it, it's part of your character. In the moment of action, one calls the other. Endurance produces that proven character that Alini talked about last week so well. And if you were here last week, you remember that the word character in this scripture is the word dokime. Remember? Dokime means proven character. When your character is proven, um, 
that's when the scripture says that it produces hope. So how does that happen? Here's how it happens. In the process of character formation, and Alini shared three things that happened last week that happened in this process. You are refined. You are sanctified. The char- God's character uh, 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 becomes your character. And you were set apart. Remember she said that the way that we develop our character is by developing the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a reflection of God's character. So by, re- by, by developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you are showing char- God's character into the world. Amazing revelation. That's what the Scripture is talking about. So all the stuff that makes you want to quit, all the stuff that makes you double-minded, all the stuff that makes you want to desire those anti-gods of the world, they burn off. They disappear. And it happens in the refining fire. When your character is proven, that means when you receive the mind of Christ, you receive God's character. And then in that moment, God gives you a vision you see. You see what your life is meant to be. You see what you were called to do. You see your purpose. You see, and when you see, you hope. When you see, you hope. That's where you set your hope. So when God gives you a vision, it becomes real to you before it becomes real to others. That's why the businesses... The organizations, the missions, the personal convictions that are born out of this process, they last. They persist. Because they were born out of testing. They weren't born out of a random inspiration. They were born in the fire. They were born out of testing. This hope is not based on fluff. Right? This hope is not based on good wishes alone. This hope has come from tears. This hope has come from sweat. It has come from wrestling and struggling and sometimes wrestling with God Himself, like Jacob did. And that's what the scripture talks about when it talks about character producing hope. So I want you to ask three questions today. And that's the application of the message today. We're going to apply the message with questions so that we know the importance of hope and we know how to work out this hope that God has for every one of us. Here's the three questions for you to ask. The first question is this. Why is hope important? We have to know why hope is important. It's important that you have and nurture hope. And to start, hope shapes your outlook. See, hope is about the future. You don't hope for what is. You hope for what will. Hope is always looking forward. Hope is always looking ahead. And look at this passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And here he explains. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Hope is part of what Jesus came to bring. It's part of his promise. Salvation, eternity, everlasting life, heaven. So we do hope for the glory of God. We hope for the day God will reveal his full glory to the earth. After the end of days. 
in the last day. But not just for the afterlife. We have hope for salvation here. We have hope for eternity here. We have hope for God's presence in our lives here. Heaven here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, O Lord. That means because the Spirit of God lives in you, you can hope against all odds. You can hope beyond difficulties. You can hope beyond what you see on this earth because your hope is grounded in eternity. Your hope is grounded in the heavenly realm. So you can hope for deliverance. Even though the world says you can't change. Yes, you can. You can hope for healing. Because through God's power, He can transform your situation. You can hope for prosperity. But JD, my whole family has always been poor. They were poe. I'm poe. And my children will be poe. No. You don't have to be poe no mo. Okay, I'm done with that. You can hope for prosperity, for provision. That God would not only bless you, but bless you to the overflow so that you can be a blessing to others and be generous to others. You can hope for peace. JD, I grew up in struggle. My, my mode of communication is attrition. I need tension in my life. That's home for me. God can switch your gears to where you can be comfortable at peace. And peace can be your new home. So you can hope for peace. Yes, you can hope for peace. You can hope for joy. JD, I, you know, I, I feel down often. I deal with this weight. No, you can hope for joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it makes you resilient and strong. And so from hope, you begin to take steps. From hope, you begin to act. From hope, you lead the life that God has called you to lead. So you move in hope toward the future that God's revealed to you. So let me ask you this. If this is true, and you have an enemy that wants to steal your future, that wants to affect your future, that wants to stop and to put a barricade on God's progression in your life, where, what would that enemy attack if he wanted to stop you? If it is true that hope guides you toward the future, what would he attack? He would attack your hope. He would say, don't get your hopes up. He'd say, no, you shouldn't hope for that. The enemy wants to steal our hope and have us live life hopeless. Of course he does, because hope matters. Hope is important. Second question you got to ask yourself and you have to, to help you explore is this. What are the effects of hope in my life? What are some of the effects of hope? Well, the first thing that I think of is hope is what gets you out of bed in the morning. Hope is what gets you, gets you moving. You move because you hope for something. And, and also hope shapes your faith. Did you know that? That your hope shapes your faith. Sometimes you feel like, man, I, I feel like my faith is low. It's probably because your hope is low. 
It's hard to have faith without hope. You've got to have a vision. You've got to be able to see the future. You've got to be able to, to grasp what God has for you so that you can have faith for it. This is what the scripture says. Very well-known scripture, Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Which means this. You have faith for what you hope for. You have faith for what you hope for. So it's necessary for us to understand that the effect of hope is that as hope grows, we have the opportunity to increase our faith as well. And for some of you, that's how you got to be where you are. Hope has moved you this far in your life. You know, some of you guys, you're married and you know that the only reason why you, you gather the courage to ask your wife out when you guys didn't even know each other was because there was hope in your heart. You, it was a tremendous amount of hope that, that you gathered up and you're like, I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to ask her out. Or maybe it was the other way around, right? I, and I'm going to present myself. And you know that the reason why she said yes is because she was completely hopeless. Her bar was way down. And you're like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hopelessness in that season of my life, of my wife's life. That's my prayer. I married way, you know, up. She's way out of my league. Some of you, that's how you ended up here in Connecticut, in New York. Because of hope, like my wife and me, you are not originally from here. But you made your way here. Out of a call, I believe God had a plan for you to be here. But because you had hope. Hope for a better life. Hope for a better career. Hope that you did not have before that it presented itself to you. Hope for purpose beyond your limitations. So you broke through. You left. And you came this way. Now, I don't know if you've been back to the town where you're from. I haven't been back a whole ton. I've been back a few times. And I love it there. But every time I've been back, I find this increased sense of, I don't really belong here anymore. I don't know if you've ever felt that. It's not that I don't belong in terms of acceptance. I know I do belong. That's my roots is where I came from. It's, I have that sense that, you know, I'm accepted, I'm loved, and I have people I love there. But here's how I don't belong. My life no longer fits that context. It no longer belongs there. Why? Because God has put hope in my heart for here, for us, for what God is doing here. And so I just want to be back every time I'm there. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Why? Because hope drives your future and hope motivates you to pursue what God has for you and increases your faith. And here's the third question. And for this question, I'm going to invite my friend David to join me to make things way more spiritual. With his, uh, he's going to tickle the ivory for us. Here's a question for you. How do you develop this undying hope? I don't know if I said the title of the message is Undying Hope. Let me start from the beginning again. Take two. 
Mm. How do you develop this undying hope? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 23 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. If you have a Bible, paper Bible, that's, where you, that's what you underline right there. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. See, there's a place where you can draw this kind of hope from. There's a place that God invites you to. And Scripture calls it the holy places. The part of it is coming together in settings like this. It's so important. And I honor you for honoring this time. It's important that you're here. It's important that you, that you take a moment in your life, every Sunday, every first day of the week, to say no to everything else and say yes to God. To say no to everything else and say yes to a community of faith. To say no to everything else and say yes to worship and prayer and connecting to this God. This is important. But the scripture talks about the holy places. What is it? Is is a place where your hope meets the action that it needs. I was thinking about this idea because scripture talks about three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Right? And there's a kind of faith that is not real. It's, it looks like faith, sounds like faith. It, it apparently is faith, but it's not faith. And Scripture talks about faith without works. It's all the talk, but it doesn't do the walk. Right? Faith without works is dead. So faith in action is faith with action. Right? It, ha- it has to have action. The same is true about love. In Corinthians, it talks about, you know, if we have everything in the world, if we have uh, optimal behavior, if we have great wealth, if we have a life that is exemplary, but we don't have love, our life is not what it's supposed to be. It's meaningless. Because love is also action. So what is hope in action? Because in the same way, hope is not jealousy. It's not looking at somebody else's life and say, I want to copy that. Hope is not looking at something and simply wishing and desiring. Hope is birthed out of a relationship with God. When He gives you a vision and and He gives you a, a, a path for your life. How do you get that? How do you develop that? Scripture says you do that in the holy places. Meaning, in the Old Testament, there, there was a place that people used to go to. There was, it, that place shut out the world. And it was the place of sacrifice, the place of prayer, the place of intimacy with God. 
Jesus has replaced that physical place. And he has become our dwelling. So when the scripture talks about his veil being torn, meaning his body, it's talking about how Jesus gave of his life so that we could experience intimacy with God. And it's in that place, actionable place, where you pray in your home, where you read the scripture, where you talk to God in your car, where you actively engage in your relationship with God, that hope is built and it's strengthened and you can find in it, in that place, this undying hope. I don't know if you've experienced that you're, you're something happens and, and you feel down and you feel like, man, you, you don't know the way forward. And then you turn on some worship and you allow your heart to connect to that music and you begin to pray to the Lord and you begin to declare what you believe is true, what he has revealed to you. And all of a sudden, your mindset begins to change. Your vision opens up. Your mind opens up for new opportunities, new ideas. Have you experienced that? I encourage you to practice these things, to practice what? drawing near to God because it is in that process that your character is developed it's in that process that you develop endurance it is in that process that you overcome suffering and when you overcome suffering by endurance and you develop character through endurance out of that you will have this undying hope see my friend Tommy that diagnosis was terrible. He got it at 20, 21, 22 years old. Doctors told, told him you have ALS and you have four years tops to live. And he began to see the effects of it on his body. And it took a little longer for it to begin to develop. They, they gave him so many, so many different... Uh, uh, prognosis on how long he was supposed to live but Tommy lived into his 60s one of the rare cases where he he, he beat all odds and in, in all these years 40 years with this disease 40 years plus they had a constant fear that something would would happen to him that would take away his life he was he, the fear of the family is that he would con contract a virus or some kind of disease or some kind of something else that would affect his internal system and he would die a horrible death of suffering and, and pain about a month ago early sunday morning tommy went to be with the lord and I've had the honor of uh, leading his homecoming service about three weeks ago. And I think Tommy knew that his time was coming. I think he knew that God was calling him into eternity. Our last email exchange was back around May, May or June. And I emailed him. I said, hey, Tommy, I've been thinking about you. And I, you know, after I wrote some things, I said this to him. Here's my prayer for you. 
that this prison, this anomaly, this thing that has taken over your body would either leave you or that you would leave it. And then I told him, I see you better. I see you standing. I see you standing on your own two feet. I see you running. I see you healed either on this life or on the next life. And so he replied. He said, J.D., thank you for your thoughts and thank you for your prayers. There has been times when doctors say that it looks bad for you to continue. And in my head, I'm thinking, no way. It's not going to take me. And I know they're wrong, but I worry this time. Maybe they're right this time. I hope and pray to walk and talk in this lifetime. That would be something. You know, beside their fear, uh, 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 even though they had those fears that he would contract all those possible diseases against all odds, Tommy passed away Sunday morning. And it wasn't of an infection. It wasn't of COVID. It wasn't of anything that he contracted. He simply breathed his last breath. He simply passed on to eternity. Now, Tommy felt hopelessness at times as he wrote about it. But he didn't die in hopelessness. You, you heard it. He passed on hoping, believing that he would be freed from that terrible disease. Now, what would cause somebody with such a fate hope again? Have a hope that endures even the worst of diagnoses. How could he find such hope? I believe it was Christ's promise that he held on to. See, he grew up in the faith. And, and I believe that in his latter days, he was reminded of it. And God's promise for him that came alive in him is the same for you. I don't know what you're facing today, but you need to know that our God is a God of hope. He can revive that dreams. He can make things come back to life. He's the God of resurrection. He's the God of life. He is the God of hope. And I believe that as a, as a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, you, above everyone else, have has the reason to hope, supreme reason to hope. And I encourage you to place your hope in the Lord. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.